Hello and welcome to the Hey Queer London podcast, Tea and Cake. Each episode we'll put on a brew and have a natter with the fabulous people doing fabulous things for and about London's queer community. In these uncertain times, community is more important than ever and we want to celebrate the brilliant people keeping our community going. On this episode, we are joined by our very special guest, Adam All, who, um, alongside their partner, Apple Darius, um, are a couple in and out of drag and have been performing together for years. Adam, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. It's a very warm day to be stuck indoors doing a podcast, <laughs> I think, all round, but we're going to make this work. Yeah, cool. I've got a fan on. I can't open the window with all this nattering because my neighbours no. will be annoyed. Do you know what I've worked out though? So we were talking about this the other day. You know, Jessie Ware's podcast that she does where she's like in the kitchen with her mum and all of that. She's been carrying it on and her guests have had to like, have been like hiding in cupboards because it's the only way they can soundproof themselves. So Mel Gederoy, is it Gederoy? Gederoy? Um, yeah, Gederoy, yeah. Getteroich, yeah, she was in her. She was saying, "I'm in my closet. I'm surrounded by clothes. It's the only thing I could do." So I'm doing the same. I'm in my bedroom. I've got big thick curtains, and I'm trying to keep it all insulated. So this sounds, you know, as good as it can under lockdown circumstances. <laughs> yeah, I've been using my car. Actually, you've been using your car. That's yeah, amazing. going to like a quiet car park where the shop's shut, and um, taking my fluffy willy and uh, <laughs> my microphone. My microphone. My microphone. Um, with me and recording into my Mac because it's it, it gets a really good it's almost like having a little sound booth it's well good isn't it amazing how we've all become expert yeah. sound engineers because of this as well <laughs> we're all like we know what we're doing and all all the sound engineers around the world are going you don't know what you're doing because things just cut out like I was doing one the other day and my mic wasn't working and it was because I had an extension on my uh, browser that I didn't realize and so I had the guest there and it was just like echoing in his ear. And I was like, I have to stop. I can't. I can't. This is so painful. Um, so we rescheduled that. But anyway. <laughs> so Adam, how, how are you how um how are you surviving lockdown? Has it how's it been okay or has it been a bit of a struggle or how's it been for you? Well, I'm with my wife and we uh, are naturally quite um kitten like. We like to do everything together. We're kind of inseparable. Um we were on honeymoon in January together and uh, oh congratulations across, yeah congratulations um, thank you traveling across asia <laughs> together surprisingly enough we went to japan and thailand and cambodia and got back in the middle of january so just dodged it um that was just in time just yeah. oh. um uh so we're kind of inseparable most of the time anyway um we're having very different reactions to anxiety so we're just trying to sort of support each other in that respect she's very much like i'd rather just stop and fall in and i'm kind of like okay i'm gonna run up this staircase for no reason <laughs> like, <laughs> just lift these weights for four hours um, it's funny isn't it it's like you've got this extra yeah. energy and you're like i have to expel it in some way i have to get it out of my body yeah i've got this i should be achieving screaming in the back of my head pretty much the second i wake up <laughs> oh so i know that like, that that yeah that feeling is always quite hard we like i need i've got so much that i want to do and i really want to make like use use this like yeah experience an event to do as much as i can i'm gonna like repaint my house and then you're like no do you know what i'm actually gonna just sit and watch some netflix for a while i've got disney plus now so i'm just gonna watch <laughs> yeah. and catch up on aladdin or something it's funny though how we get our affirmation but we get affirmation from online as well don't we where it's like someone mm. says if you're not able to do anything and you just want to sit and watch netflix that's okay and you say to yourself thank you that is okay <laughs> but yeah. like instinct but instinctively if you're not that type of person maybe it isn't what's going to make you mentally stronger during all of this or or just sort of keep you afloat i feel like um 
I find performing in front of audiences extremely exhausting. It takes a huge amount of energy to do. And although you get some energy back from that, you get a lot of energy back from it sometimes. Um, that's often followed by a great big party and lots of fun. And then I wake up exhausted the next day. Um, mm. And that exhaustion seems to give me the right to take a rest. Whereas where I'm here mm. doing not very much physically and I don't have that huge um, expression of energy in one go, I kind of just I'm but I'm just completely bubbling over with far too much energy and I can't convince myself that I deserve to rest even though I'm not I'm not actually um accommodating the additional stress and stress and anxiety of just being in this situation full stop which is hmm. exhausting in and of itself I'm like not accommodating hmm. that and I'm like come on pull your socks up get on with it and I'm and I'm not giving no I'm I'm relentless <laughs> I'm an awful taskmaster I'm terrible I'm my own worst enemy I, I won't I won't stop at all but um <laughs> so your wife is like oh god <laughs> when is this lockdown over <laughs> yeah I think I exhaust her just like you know the alarm goes off at eight in the morning because if I oversleep beyond that I get a migraine for some reason and um oh. that's what about and uh so I'm up and I'm like right coffee right breakfast right Come on, let's go for a quick walk now, and then plan. yoga, and then Make and then we're going to get on with it, right? So we, we'll start work by ten, and we'll be going, and everything. She's like, <laughs> she's like eight oh five. I'll just have a snooze. <laughs> Shut up. Just let me have a lie yeah. in. Yeah, I just want to flip through my Instagram for about twenty minutes. Like just twenty minutes of flipping through you know, my Instagram is all you know, I need. Twenty minutes is okay. actually two hours, right? It just, it oh, just. Oh, God, yeah, it's the of rabbit hole. Although, although, I have to say, Instagram is one thing. That's like five mm. minutes or 20 minutes or half an hour now. But TikTok. Oh, God. So I'm not into it, but I've got friends Hugely that addictive. are. It's never ending. It never. It you never can't. stops. Like there's, there's never a point where it says you just no. put this down. There's you always like, you know, today. my gay friends are just following. <laughs> yeah. My gay male yeah. friends are just following hot boys all day long. It's like, it's like the dream oh, for them. It's crazy. Dance routines. Just endless. I've got, I've got to a stage where if I if 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 the if the algorithm gives me a video of Gordon Ramsay's daughter doing a dance routine with her dad, then I stop, and that's yeah. the that's the way I'm just like, do you know what? I have gone way too far down a rabbit oh, hole of influences yeah. right now. It's time to put it away, or I've seen way too many gifts of gimme gimme gimme, which is brilliant. But I've like there's about I've seen three videos of the same person doing the same thing. Do you know what? It's time to step back. Yeah 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 yeah. There's not much variation there. So for anyone who doesn't know you, tell us a bit more about who you are and, and what you do and, um, and how and how you got started, really. Sure. Um, I'm a drag king performance artist and I've been performing for roughly 11 years. Um, I work in and around London mostly, but I gig around all over the place and I've been taking board a couple of times. So that was really fun. I run a night called Boy Box, which is a drag king cabaret showcase. I've been running with my wife, both on and off stage wife, um, for the last six and a half years um it was based at the glory and we were having wonderful sellout shows every month we're having a very great time there and uh now it's based online tickets being sold on out savvy still still the same place where we sold tickets for the for the live show actually and we're sticking with them because they're a lovely bunch been looking after us um Mm. we are sort of quite a quite um we find ourselves to be quite quite in depth in, in, in as as part of the uh, we're quite a I suppose in, I would say you would say integral part of the drag king community. We like to support and encourage. We're very much um, hands on supporting and, and helping and bringing up uh, kings that are coming into the scene. And also we like to um, we like to encourage 
as as many people to to continue with that and and get into a, into a career as a, as a performance artist as well which is actually a really quite difficult transition so we've, we've been um we pretty much live and breathe drag kings which i know that my wife finds extremely annoying she wanted to have her own career but no i've stolen it <laughs> sorry and <laughs> <laughs> now she's part of the whole picture yeah so at the moment we're living in a in our wardrobe full of drag how did you because obviously the drag king scene is it's been there in different guises over over the years and and i remember interviewing um mm-hmm. Karen Fish, who I'm sure you know, and uh, Karen was telling us about you know some of the the uh, the things that she was doing in the 70s and the 80s and and all of that, and um, it's sort of always been there. But but really, since you guys have been creating your nights, it's really sort of exploded and it's become, as you say, an, an integral part of the scene. But before that, you say you've been doing it for 11 years. Where were you doing it? Where were you performing? Were there nights? Were there promoters? Were there venues that were willing to support you? There was very little. To be fair, when I first started, I didn't know any other drag kings. Um, I certainly didn't know of any drag king nights, though I later found out that there was one that started about... There was one going in Brighton and there was then one going in Manchester, but they were quite small. Um, we're talking 2008, so we didn't have Instagram and you know the way social media worked, it, we, couldn't, we didn't connect in the same way that we do now. It's quite difficult to get into a Facebook chat group about drag kings. Mm. And the mm. videos on YouTube consisted of about three American kings that had filmed themselves in San Francisco about five years ago. And that was it. <laughs> you know, there was no, there was no makeup tutorials. There was no sort of <laughs> not, brotherhood alliance. Yeah, not a pool to draw like, from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, no. And there was certainly no... RuPaul's Drag Race or anything of the equivalent as there still isn't but there's um so there wasn't really a tight community not in any way shape or form I was completely isolated I started off in Southampton um and a drag queen friend of mine got bored of me going on about how I'd like to do it and booked me for a show that's amazing I know and I just absolutely drag queens pushing you off myself. the cliff I like that I know <laughs> fully pushed me clean off and like gave me a cd with like 20 backing tracks on of songs they knew I did at karaoke because I've been following them to every single karaoke that they hosted across the whole of the south coast for the last three years and they were like for goodness sake these are all the songs you do go away and practice come back in six weeks you've got a half hour set and that was my first show Alive, That's amazing. So you had like, a mother. You had a mother, whether you liked it or not. She was. Yeah. She was making you do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And she was my mum for about three gigs, and then she vanished into the ether. She's still going. She's just not. Um, unfortunately, we're we're not in touch anymore. But she went off and did all sorts of other stuff. So she's still going. And then, uh, so I moved to Brighton and um, kicked off some stuff there. Did a couple of nights there. Hosted a bit of karaoke of my own up there, and then at the Marlborough and. Um, Nothing was really happening. I entered Drag Idol. Oh, yeah. Way back, six months into my performance <laughs> identity. And I got all the way to the finals, which was insane. Um, like way back in 2009. So it was Drag Idol 5, wasn't it, on that? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I got an interview in a magazine. I thought I was that was it. I was going to be like launched. And then like <laughs> nothing else happened. <laughs> uh, and then I kind of got involved with people at various nights and things where they were prepared to give me a shot and then I found bar whatever and I think that was probably the major springboard for me because that was really a community that understood what I was trying to do and had the energy and the space and the time to to like encourage and support me and from there I started really building my own stuff I got involved with Candy Bar hosted their karaoke did a lot of promotion stuff for them and then 
it was at Candy that I got Boybox started. And then from Boybox, Boybox just completely opened all the doors. But that, that shows remarkable tenacity on your part, I think, because, you know, as you say, when you first started doing it, there was drag queens around, mm. but there wasn't a drag king community that you could latch mm-hmm. onto. And I think we see it, we see it so often in the drag queen scene where, you know, as I just mentioned, there's mothers and there's mentors and you become a part of a family and a house. But for drag kings, it was, it's almost like this sort of unknown identity. And, and, and I think traditional promoters, people not thinking outside the box are like, well, what do we do? How, what audience is there? Um, and and for you to sort of face all of that, keep going and create your own night, I think is remarkable. And I think I think I know it's maybe taken eleven years, but now you can see it paying off, mm. and that must be hugely gratifying. It is gratifying. I think it shows more the sense that for some people, drag is a necessity. It's a strange. It's kind of a. It's a strange doorway that you step through, and you create this alter ego, this character. And if you, if you, if you, after a while, it, it lives and breathes in and of itself. And it, it becomes like a world that you can't let go of, almost like your favorite book or, or um, your favorite film or something. Mm. You, you have to be able to step into that world again. You have to have it, but like more than that, more mm. like, it's like a whole part of yourself that if you can't, if you can't do it or be it, then it, it kind of shatters your existence. And I think that you kind of it's it's almost tenacity and almost like just um pig-headedness <laughs> it just i couldn't let it go but uh, but also is it is it i i've i've heard a lot of drag queens say over the years that it's like armor you know it's like if if say you've always had the burning desire to perform and you really get that buzz out of it like you say I, I always find it interesting when performers say once i've come off stage all my energy is gone and it means that you live for it it's your fuel you know and you run out of fuel by the end of each show um and i find that interesting but i think drag queens when they say you know i'm actually quite an introverted person i'm actually on the on normal day-to-day life i'm quite introverted but when i get on stage i come alive and i can i can be an extrovert and i guess like many things that becomes your armor so you get to say and do things that you necessarily wouldn't normally be able to say in real life and also you are protected you are yeah. you know this is a character that you're you're putting on a suit yeah. literally <laughs> in your case but you know um but it but, but that i find so interesting and i think it's the kind of core um uh, driving force behind most performers would you i think it, you I agree think with it that? must be i think there must be an element of that i think i wouldn't have gone into performance at all if i couldn't have done it as adam i think partly because there is really very few to no roles for androgynous looking afab <laughs> in existence really and like you know <laughs> where do you put this person who looks like a little boy but isn't like what do they even do what role are they and they're just you know certainly no lead roles and i mean there's just it's just um i just wasn't prepared to deal with stepping onto the stage and having like being completely misgendered by half the audience like before i've even opened my mouth and then having to deal with that constant weird energy pressure but when i'm dressed as adam no one misgenders me because i'm adam i'm a bloke and I'm doing my role and my character. And yeah, it is like stepping into armor or stepping into a into a role where you can say and do things that you wouldn't normally do. But there's also an element of of, of exposure in it as well and release. So there's the other there's an element of um giving a part of yourself that you keep hidden for most of the time. So there is there is that too. It's like a, it's like the flip side of the coin. Yeah, there's a vulnerability there, isn't there? That's um, but I think I think you, I personally, and I'm sure Steve agrees. I think the 
performers that I connect with the most yeah. are the ones that are willing to show their vulnerability as well because it makes you it makes you more three dimensional. You know, it's not just oh, I'm a stage performer. I'm going to just go up and do my shtick. It's actually no. This is this is something that I've spent time developing and putting together for your entertainment to to keep you entertained, but also for for me and my sanity. And I just think that that can really come across when you see a performer on stage. And it's, it's, it, what's, it's what ex- it, it excites me. I don't know how Steve feels about that. Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's a, I think it's for, that vulnerability thing is definitely a huge thing. And I think it's always, always great to see the true form of an artist and someone who's so comfortable in their shoes and who they are and who they want to present to the world. It just makes everyone else like go, do you know what? Mm-hmm. I am totally fine. This is my life. I can be who I, it sort of gives you, gives other people in the audience the confidence to really be who they are and what they're about. Cause as you said, like on the scene, there's so many, there's so many big personalities and different personalities. And, and sometimes you need to find that thing that's going to give you that, that release and to really be your true self. So I think, I think what you do is amazing. And um, I was going to say as well, like um, you, you said you started off quite a lot of doing, you mainly did live performances. Um, but you do live performances over lip syncs. Has that been your sort of, that's been your bread and butter um, really doing the live shows? Yeah, I, I, I haven't, I don't do lip sync really at all. Um, I, kind, I kind of grew up in quite rural Hampshire mm. and outside of many of the big cities, drag queen culture has always been live singing. I didn't really know much about lip syncing. I only really suit. I saw like, maybe a mm. few people who did it. It wasn't really like the main center. Um, the drag queen was the was the um, bar singer, the lounge singer, or the um, you know um, pub singer. They were the the person who sang all the old songs um, that everybody knew the words mm. to. Um, they were like the the host of the bar. You know, it's like you're they're like a almost like a mascot or a superhero. Um, but the and they would it was more it was more the uh, banter from a patter than it was the songs and the songs were just oh great cabaret voice and you know we all know this one let's all sing along and and that was kind of like that's kind of like how I saw what it was to be a drag queen Mm -hmm. and so I didn't really ever sort of go the other way though I did I mean I think I think we all as little kids didn't we all lip sync into the mirror being our favorite pop stars of course (laughs) still do well I've had to like rebirth that now but um yeah, Steve and I have got a drag race quiz to do tonight oh, with a group great. of friends and we've got to send in we've got to send in a lip sync video in character. Yeah. And I am I mean I could really do with some mentoring if you've got like half an hour. No, but like it's going to be it's going to be a car crash. I mean, I am mortified. I'm also, you know, cuz obviously, you know, going back to the vulnerability thing, once you're in a venue now and especially in this day and age where everybody has a video phone, everything. Like do you feel as a performer under immense pressure knowing that half well 99% of the audience are going to be filming clips, putting it online. Cause I find as a performer, like that would just, that would keep me in the house oh, yeah. to be honest. Oh yeah. Cause you can't put a toe wrong. Um, especially in this kind of environment where um, if, if you, if you were to have a sort of dubious opinion about something and you said it on, on stage, it wouldn't just be that room of people. It would be everyone. And the second it goes up, someone will, call you out on it and that will be pretty much mm. the end of your career so it it is kind of and and in <laughs> certainly in some cases fair enough but mm. um <laughs> you know like bye bye but um but it does put a huge amount of pressure and of course it does also mean that you're narrowing what kind of people should be you know there are in some circumstances you know you should be able to have your opinion but maybe not air it on stage because you're supposed to be as a drag artist sort of potentially a sort of role model 
clinic. Yeah. So. Mm. But also, drag is drag is political, and drag is a statement in whatever form and guise. And so, you know, I always think if someone gets opinionated or 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 rowdy or whatever that's fine but i guess what you do um and i i watched your ted talk that you did with your wife um uh in research for this and i just i loved it so much but you know you were singing live and you could see like yes you were talking to the audience and you were interacting but but you had you know that was that was something that was you know polished and and so professional and i think that's different to like i guess i guess because you are professional performers Mm -hmm. like when you're doing it it's not that you can go down that cul-de-sac that maybe a stand-up comic does or someone who doesn't really prepare or who's riffing because that's when you can get a little bit unstuck sometimes, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, that's certainly when we're, when we're hosting Boy Box live, we'll happily go down that rabbit hole together. And But um, when you're, I mean, working in a partnership, I think it's much harder to do because you can trip up the person you're with. And as much as you can prepare for what they might say and you might know someone really really well if they say something and you don't understand where they're oh, going yeah. you can get very lost very very quickly so as as a partnership we tend to rehearse what we're going to say or at least prepare who's going to say what um oh you're doing the bit about this character and oh you're going to introduce this person and okay i'll do this mm. bit about okay i'll say the introduction about mm-hmm. you know why mm. we're here and okay who's doing who's doing the beautiful humans bit okay <laughs> you know like and we'll tag it all out and and work it out in advance do you have that that sketch comedian mantra which is it's always yes whatever happens it's always yes never let it go never say no never put never put it down just keep going keep going yeah (laughs) but she's not gonna i mean we wouldn't ever throw each other under the bus so i mean it's that kind of level of trust. well that's the beauty of you two knowing each other so well yeah i was gonna say like i mean i guess some people think how can you work with your partner you're seeing them all the time but actually there is massive mm. attributes to that, which is that you trust each other immensely and you're not interested in like one-upmanship oh, no. or trying to make the other one, you, you know, whereas I think there is always, there's probably always a healthy amount of competition between between duos. But I think if you have to live with that person, you're probably a well, little bit more respectful. I mean, she's, we're, we, are, um, we are each other's income. She's been helping me promote what I do and build my um, profile and, and, and sort out my, my website. She's extremely good at managing my career. So it would be <laughs> completely <laughs> massive waste of the last <laughs> six years. Yeah. She was ever. Yeah. And uh, obviously vice versa, she's my wife. Yeah. We don't, we don't want a showgirls moment where you're like <laughs> trying to take center stage. Literally. No, no, you need it. It. <laughs> literally made this whole thing happen. I think it, it, to be fair, it's boy box started. It was kind of my dream. And I started it with another drag artist and they had a day job and I was self-employed doing some other random stuff, which I didn't, at that point I was sort of weeding out my muggle side hustle. Um, Though I kind of just using it as a sort of um, more reliable income than performance, but uh, I didn't really need it at that Mm -hmm. point. So I was trying to like weed it out and Mm -hmm. this person really couldn't sort of commit to the very late night that we were doing. Um, and also some of the like long hours of dealing with maybe of the admin and stuff like that. And so I was ending up having to do sort of quite a large chunk of it on my own. And then my wife stepped in, Apple stepped in before she was Apple and started doing some of the admin to help me because it was taking up so much time that we just couldn't spend time together. Um, and then I realized that she was doing the workload of the other person. And I was like, dude, you're gonna have to go (laughs) so (laughs) 
so we, when we re- we shuffled everything, we renamed everything, we rebranded everything, we started again. And I did explain and they did understand. So it was just a case of like, you know, this is really sad, but I've got to move on. And but things come to a natural end. Important. Yeah, no, I think I think that's really good as well, because, you know, sometimes loyalty means you can end up flogging a dead horse and that's not beneficial in the long run to anyone. Yeah, I mean, and Boybox worked out really, really, really well. It, it absolutely rocket launched the drag king community in London and the splinters that have come off it have rocket launched again from their own platforms. It's been absolutely magnificent to watch. I couldn't be more proud to be fair, but I certainly couldn't have done it without my wife who came up with the name, the marketing, the branding, like everything, like all the wording, the way we do everything. And we, and we just, we go through everything together now. So whenever we're making a poster, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? Let's do this. Can we use that? Everything we do together and, two brains working on it really is better in this case of course and i think it's amazing that you have that that partnership i think that's it's such a good thing to hear and such a positive thing to hear lucky bastard i'm so lucky <laughs> i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say i'm jealous but i am seething <laughs> no <laughs> did you um did you meet doing did was uh were they doing drag as well at the same time or did you uh when you met or did did you bring them into doing the into the drag scene um so um my wife um whose muggle name is Ellie. She, we met at university oh, amazing. when we were 19. Um, we'd both taken a gap year and started a year later. So we were 19 in our first year. Um, and I didn't know... We I fell in love with her straight away, like immediately. Um, but she wasn't out yet. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of had to like back off a wee bit. And she was a bit like... Mm. Um, anyway, she tried to stay friends with me and I wasn't coping with that. So we kind of didn't speak for about seven years. Oh, wow. And then I looked her up on Facebook, or she looked me up on Facebook and I was gigging in London and she just finished um, training at the poor school Mm. as an actor. So she just got her agent and she just finished. And um, she was kind of like, you know, like she she'd come to the end of a, like a very tough. I mean, the poor school is quite tough. Um, this tough season of her life, and she was sort of like, like okay, let's let's see what everyone else is doing now. And um, uh, so she came to my gig. <gasps> she just randomly turned up. No, we kind of we we got in contact, and I told her that it was happening, and I said, "Do you want to come?" And um, and I was staying with a friend and everything, and she she came to the gig, and I hadn't seen her in seven years and she literally hadn't changed she looked exactly the same and behaved exactly the same so you were like chiching stepped straight into it like (laughs) well we just stepped straight into our friendship where we'd left off and i was like well i've been single a long time and i'm not really i had had girlfriends in between obviously but at that point i had been single for a while and um i was like this really hot woman that i'm (laughs) completely head over heels in love with has just fallen back into my life and i've no idea what to to do with it um and she's like, oh, yeah, you know, that was, you know, she had a really good time and everything. And I was like, do you want to come to another show? And she's like, yeah. And I was thinking, you know, she's too cool for me. She'll she'll be like, oh, no, thanks. Thanks very much. But I'll catch you later. You know, and then she came to this other show and it was I did a half hour set at the at the RBT for, for Bar Whatever on a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And it was when they used to have like a big headliner do a closing set. And um which I was like, yeah, I'm a big hater. Yeah. <laughs> and anyway, she came, she came along to that show, um, and then invited me to stay at hers. <gasps> so that probably that's so romantic. I know, and I had absolutely so no lovely. clue. I thought, oh, thanks very much, mate, because then I don't have to get the train home. Cheers. That's really cool because I was living in Brighton at the time. 
I mean, that's a long train so journey back late at night. So she's like, oh no, come and stay. I know it would have been a chip. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I had no, absolutely no clue that she was even remotely interested. So you had got to that point after uni, the seven years, everything that it was like, oh, this is a friendship rekindling, which is the nicest way to find out, isn't right. it? Because it's not on your mind. Right. You're not thinking, oh, I've got to put on. I mean, you're already performing. So, you know, that was enough, yeah. I guess. So you didn't want to be having to worry about, oh, could this potentially be romantic? Yeah, yeah. That is a sitcom right there. I'm just saying it's a Channel 4 sitcom. <laughs> I think you need to get well, writing. Actually... <laughs> where we actually wrote a play oh, did you? Adam and Apple and it's not actually based on that it's, it's based on the characters Adam and Apple and how they meet when they meet in a supermarket but still, <laughs> but I mean of course they do our Disney <laughs> story is like super it's like super Disney because like a month in we were like are you serious about this relationship or is this just a bit of fun yeah. and we were both like no cards on the table I actually want to give this a real shot and because we both knew that right from day dot we've both constantly worked to keep that mentality as a like we already know that we're both in for the long run so nobody's questioning if somebody's like um objective has changed we, mm. we already know that bit that's mm. the solid trust level that's already built right from month one um, and then, um hashtag relationship goals that's all i'm saying <laughs> and it's that's just, amazing madness. to be fun to be fair it's been you know and it's and we've had to, we've had a learning curve you have to learn how to work with a partner you can't just like expect everything to happen i've had to i've had to like shift a lot of stuff she's had to shift a lot mm. of stuff and we've learned to work together because we're both dedicated to uh, for the you know for the relationship to work it's it's just you know that's what you've got to do it's hmm. get stuck in and do the hard work and then and then you've got a magical wondrous disney castle that you can flounce about in all day long that's amazing and so matt i'm gonna, matt, I'm gonna say those probably tips for you matt is the only single one of the group so so matt you've got to hit up, your, what? hit up your old uni old uni friends see who's around i don't think i'm the i don't think i'm the only single one i think there's a few oh, others, no, of this two. conversation you're the only single one so oh, i'm the only one of this conversation yeah, yeah that's true that's given me inspiration now but then you know because i've heard that story it's going to be very contrived when i try and do it <laughs> You know me hitting up everybody I knew from like high school and uni. Hi. (laughs) No, it's um, it's a lovely way, and also like I guess then you'd sort of discover. Obviously, you're both performers and you're both trained. I guess that kind of passion is really helpful as well because you understand the pitfalls and the thrill of it and everything that comes with it. Oh yeah, she's taught me so much. I'm I'm not come. I've not come from performance. Well, I say that I did some performance as a kid and I've been uh, a musician my whole life. I've played all sorts of instruments, um, sax being my main instrument. And I, How many instruments do you play? I played, at one point I played like 10 instruments. Wow. Not very well. Like, <laughs> you some kind of freaking prodigy. What is that about? I grew up in a musical house. My dad played piano, my mum played violin and guitar. So I took up all That's three amazing. of those and recorder and sax and, and then various other percussion instruments that played kit at one point and, and just like all sorts of random things i just wanted to oh that looks like fun i had to go with that but i was never very proficient on anything but the saxophone to be fair um and singing i was too scared for for far too long you know i kind of yeah but i did a contemporary arts degree so um but in my contemporary arts degree i didn't really do performance i did music and visual arts so i did video and music editing Oh, surprise. You need that now. Yeah, so, well done. Um... Very handy. So, Very handy. I, I did a broadcasting degree for TV and radio and stuff. So I know, and I'm now like, oh, I can now set up a mic. I can do all the editing and I can do the video, like I can do it all myself. Oh, he's very excited about that. He edited the last it. episode of the show and very well. So it saves us paying someone, which is handy. <laughs> We're cheap. 
yeah no random skills I learned like as a kid I used to love making things and my dad taught me how to make nets for 3d shapes when I was oh, really wow. young, a mathematician so he was like well into that kind of thing and now I use that knowledge that he taught me to make massive foam costumes so... <laughs> I know, right? that's so good diversification like, is what you've got to do I learned when I was a kid like <laughs> random just to pass the time and now I'm like oh I can do that actually because I did that when I was it's just it's stupid absolutely stupid like little bits of sewing that my mum taught me and stuff like that i'm just like wow where all of the little pieces all just joined together and became a career who knew that's brilliant i was, I was also going to say um something that adam i've noticed with your like doing a bit of research beforehand as well as doing the, the stage performances you've also done some amazing stuff with the, the kids reading and also the the recent thing you did with um uh, hampton court palace and that's so that group of people yeah how, how did that oh. come about and how how was it because yeah for me that sounds fascinating well, the, that's drag queen story time. Mm-hmm. So, um, and all, that's all part of the same thing. So um, I saw it advertised on Facebook. Some uh, There's a guy called Tom um, saying, I'm looking for drag artists who might be interested. Uh, my partner already teaches kids. She's got quite, we, we're both like, we've both got our um, checks and everything. And so we've both got all of that from just having had previous jobs that have asked us for it. So I've had to do all of those checks and tests and stuff. Um and we were just really interested in sort of changing the dynamic in terms of presenting to young kids. I certainly growing up, I about four four years old, I knew that I was different. I certainly knew I liked girls. Um, four, five, six years old, definitely. But I didn't know why, and I didn't know the words, and I didn't know that there were other people in the world like me. Um, and it was extremely isolating, and it definitely was traumatizing. And I still carry a lot of those scars. And I know as a queer community, that's extremely common for us. That's just kind of par for the course really mm-hmm. and um and um i felt that this opportunity to sit and be with young kids and be like hey i'm real and i'm fine and you can be too was just an opportunity i couldn't pass up so we were really delighted to get involved and all we all we really do is just read kids stories and sing children's songs in our costumes amazing i love it Love it's it. Wonderful. There needs, it's wonderful. There needs to be more of it. There needs to be it in every school, if possible. Right? <laughs> I mean, it, still, it won't happen, but... You know. We're recording a lot of it at home and we're still doing that. So I think we've teamed up. I don't know how much I'm, I'm supposed to tell you. We've teamed up with a site and we're going to be doing a lot more stuff and, and it's um, go, going online, basically, I think. So there's, I mean, I don't have all the information for that, but I will do eventually. It's so exciting because, so you know, I... For the first year, my my I brought my nephews to Pride, and one's five and one's two, and for them it's colour and it's it's mm. fun and it's flamboyant and it's it's just just it's so exciting and their little face they were so delighted to see all of the people on the parade and and, and every guise of it. I mean, obviously some of it you'll maybe shield their eyes, <laughs> like the pups and things. But generally I think it's about teaching kids from a young age about tolerance and about acceptance as much as it is about saying to that child in the classroom, however they feel they identify, however they feel different to everybody else, that it is okay. And I think that is it's invaluable. Yeah. And if you're if you're a parent worth your salt, how you could object to that so that your child feels safe is bizarre to me. I just, I can't comprehend that. I find it very odd. I think we've had, um, we have had a couple of protests happen at some of the libraries where we were doing a drag queen story time. Um, there's been a lot of noise online from Americans 
randomly in the Midwest who, who mm. have absolutely no access or interest really in, in the UK version of Drag Queen Storytime. So I don't really understand. You know, they're not going to turn up. They're not going to be there. It's not for their kids. They can't possibly attend um, a, a random East London library. Like, so why are they getting involved, sticking their oar in? And then, you know, like two blokes will turn up with a placard. <laughs> and it's like... <laughs> Sad. Wow, I'm scared. Yeah. You know, it's like ridiculous. And then I think one time somebody pretended they were a parent and came <gasps> in to film us, which they really shouldn't do because there are kids that there is and you should not be filming course. kids without. I know, absolutely. So outrageous. fucking creepy. We what is wrong with these people? It's so creepy. And we were singing I'm a Little Teapot. I mean, for goodness <laughs> sake. How would you misinterpret that? Like, if you want to think. Really? Like, it's bizarre. Honestly, That's bizarre. With the actions. Come on. <laughs> All the kids were joining in. We were having a laugh. Having a great time. I mean, we read The Tiger That Came to Tea. It's 50 years old, mm-hmm. that book. It's a wonderful kids' book. Love it. And yes, we do read some... The majority of our stories are with um, a, uh, with diversity in mind. Mm-hmm. So there are some books about... There's, there's a book called Introducing Teddy, which is about um, a, a teddy who starts off the story called... I can't even remember now. <laughs> Um, Thomas the teddy mm-hmm. but doesn't want to be called Thomas he wants to be she wants to be called Tilly oh. and so all the gender pronouns change and and then Tilly is basically accepted into the into into the love of their person with no beat mist you know there's like oh in the in the in the beginning they're in the garden and they're planting vegetables and they're climbing the tree and they're Riding their bikes, and then in in the end, they're doing all the same exact tasks, but it's but the gender has swapped. Different names. Yeah, I mean, but you know, I <laughs> yeah. think I, yeah, like I, it's I like... think it's so again, it's so important to pass that message on to a younger generation who haven't been yeah. already programmed about because because don't get me wrong, as you just said, you know, we're all shaking off, you know, um, societal heteronormative ways of living that have been been forced upon us growing up mm. in suburbia or wherever you may have grown up and i find it extraordinary now that people and i mean i will say in some ways people do come to me if i'm at in essex with my family and somebody wants to be explained what it means to be non-binary and how people want to identify and i really appreciate that when people ask the question but when people get a little bit yeah. tipsy and then go what are you talking about it's male or female and you're like but it it's so simple and it doesn't affect your life. What, yeah, but do you know what I mean, though? And it's like, why is that such yeah. a struggle? And I think the struggle is the programming. And I think that people like yourself yes. and your oh, and your wife going into schools and relaying the message in such a such a colourful, pleasant way is absolutely mm. invaluable. I think it's great. And I really enjoy doing it. And we're like massive walking cartoon characters and... <laughs> It's, you know, it doesn't matter who we are or what we've done or where we've been. And, you know, we're just two big, bright, colourful people who like stuff. You know, we, we make sure that our characters are, you know, lovable and, and interesting and, and exciting and that they can come up and say hello to us. And, you know, Adam likes um, fairies in pink dresses and mm. and Apple likes shouting and leopard print. And that's okay. Yeah, definitely. You know, and it's okay. It's like it, like nothing is not okay. And I think it's just, I think it's kind of like really, it's just really nice to see their happy faces. They have such a good time. Mm, it's lovely. What, what what's the reaction been from the kids? Like, what's what's one of your like favorite comments you've had from a kid who sort of who's seen you perform and then come up afterwards? 
I think my favourite instance, rather than because the kids, a lot of the kids that we perform to are under the age of mm-hmm. four, so they're very small. So we're normally we're normally there with there's normally a a three or four year old and then their younger sibling who's literally a baby, oh, yeah. and um, a parent or a couple of parents looking after both kids, um, and they've got toys and things. And they're barely able to sing along and do the actions because they're that young that it is literally just watching like a live cartoon. Um, so generally speaking, it's people sort of shouting, it's a shark. Um, and that's about <laughs> it. You get it from the audience. But my favorite, my favorite thing um, was going to, oh, we did it. At, we did it in the Royal Opera House for, for family pride day, the day after London. Pride. Oh yes. They were doing loads and of we're stuff there with our Britney mics. It was so funny. Yeah, my friend they went to it. literally gave us Britney mics and we're doing... It was brilliant. Yeah, she said it was amazing. It. She took her young um, daughter. She said it was incredible. It was so much fun. And and I was literally trying not to burst into hysterics for the entire thing because I'm like, I'm in the Royal Oxford. <laughs> <laughs> this is hilarious. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then afterwards, we went to uh, Pizza Express and had a treat lunch because we'd worked so hard. The previous day, we'd have four gigs. we tr- literally running across London every which way. Oh, on imagine. Pride as well. It's um, crazy utterly exhausting i mean we went to bed at like half 11 because we were shattered Hmm. we just worked all day up at seven drag on by eight o'clock and out the house we just did not stop so sunday when we did this show we finished at like two in the afternoon starving there's a pizza express right next door i know exactly where that one is (laughs) right straight in three course meal massive bottle of wine God, you earned we it. We sat there out of drag, obviously. <laughs> I totally earned it. And there was a kid on the table over the, uh, just like two tables away, singing a section of Old MacDonald. Um, because we do Old MacDonald had a farm, but we do it with different animals. And we've got stuffed animals. And we bring out these animals and say, what's this? And it's like a flamingo and a sloth and a unicorn and stuff like that. Anyway, there's a fish and the fish goes bloop, bloop, bloop. Um, and you could hear this kid's, just going bloop bloop, bloop oh bloop, bloop, no bloop. that is and we were just <laughs> that's the like, cutest thing oh. we were both like tearing up adam I i'm know, in lockdown so and very emotional okay so be uh, this <laughs> that is going to tip me over the edge i'm just saying <laughs> i can i tell you what i'll send you the old mcdonald video that we made with all of the animals, yeah do that'd be amazing and then you can just sing along. oh i totally will and i'll send it to my nephews <laughs> i'll totally do it <laughs> It gets very Game of Thrones at the end. Oh, that's good. It's even better. It's even better. It's not quite ready this year, so we, we need we need our we need our fix. Um, so cool, Adam. So maybe what we do now is uh, let's move on to our, our little pop pop quiz section that we had. Um, oh yeah, time to get ready for the pop yeah. quiz. Um, so I'll uh, I'll kick this off. Uh, so what was your, what is your favourite um, LGBTQ night in London? Oh, blimey, mm. that's too difficult. Just on the top of your head, what comes to, um, what comes to the top of your I'm head? I'm allowed to say my own. No, no, absolutely no. Bar not. Whatever. <laughs> Bar whatever. Good choice. Bar whatever's a good one. Uh, what's your favourite? Um... It's just such a good community. Yes, it is. Like it's it's every is every every Tuesday at the RVT. If you've not been, it's definitely every Tuesday for fifteen. That's phenomenal. Years. Amazing. Ridiculous. Just brilliant. I know. Uh, what's your favourite um, LGBTQ venue in London or or from anywhere in the UK? Let's open it up. Oh, that's a toughie. Mm-hmm. Who's loyalty? <laughs> <laughs> Where should I say? Oh, crime. Uh, okay, so 
that's very hard. We could say one of your favourites because you could have a selection of favourites. I have a, like a selection of. I have a selection of favourites. Can course. I say three? Can I say my yep. top yeah. Yep. In no particular order. So obviously, because of bar whatever and a lot of the other stuff that's happened there, the mm-hmm. RVT and its history. I love the RVT. Um, I'm obviously a big fan of the Glory. Yeah. Having worked there quite a bit, um, and it's down the road, um, and I enjoy being part of that community. That's really good fun, and. I'm going to go with, oh my God, there's too many. There's too many. I'm going to go with DSS. Yeah, oh, cool. Dalston Superstore. Yeah, good. Because you cannot beat that brunch. No. You just can't. Drag, drag queen brunch, especially amazing. Power brunch. The food is so good. The food is really good. And the drinks are even better, as we discovered. Although right? Steve and I, I don't think I've ever drunk with you there, Steve, on a brunch, because we've no, been, no, no. We've been, we've been, we've both been, been sober. Yeah, we've been but everybody else is drinking around us and they seem to be enjoying them. So it's <laughs> good. Um, the third question we want to... They do good mocktails there as well. Oh, I didn't. Oh, did I have a mocktail? I did have a mocktail for your birthday. You did for my birthday. I remember now. Yeah, Adam, yeah. Is, there any plan, um, is there any plans to do like a, a, a drag king brunch, a Sunday drag king brunch? Have you done one before? Or We oh, have. Nice. Apple and I have done a drag queen story time for adults. Amazing. Oh. At least three times. And there's lots of crafts, including... Um, Oh, the classic drag queen, um, drag queen toilet roll challenge, where you have to turn a toilet roll into a well-known local drag queen. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing! I've already, yeah. And there's like I've already got one in mind: pipe cleaners and feathers and googly eyes and things and glue and all sorts of scissors and bits of paper and stuff. It's good fun. Yeah, um, and there's coloring in to do, and there's um, pin the dick on a drag king. Nice. <laughs> um, uh, I think we did. Um, grandmother's footsteps as well at some point and he had to try and touch my bum which was quite fun um, and then we do some songs and stuff but yeah we, we tend to try and get them to do the dubstep version if I'm a little teapot which is- oh, oh my god that must be amazing incredible. that must be amazing well when this nightmare <laughs> is over and you're back there we'll come down we'll definitely come down do come along it's good um, can we ask you because this is we, we wanted to ask a question in this quiz about sort of unsung people from the scene and we know that obviously if you work in multiple venues you're probably working with a pr from that venue so we were asking who's your favorite um, pr on the lbtq uh, scene who you work with on a regular basis who kind of helps you promote the show and makes things a little bit more seamless that's tough that is tough it can be a friend. It can be someone you have a, a good relationship with just to give a give a little shout out to people who work in the offices and people don't get to see or hear about. Oh, there's so many people who do such a wonderful job behind the scenes that people don't even realise. That's why we wanted to do this. because. But you just have to name one now because we're going to ask every guest that we have on the show. Okay, so. but then I'll only have to do someone whose name I definitely know. Yeah. <laughs> don't give <laughs> and, and also someone who um, I can think of off the top of my yeah. head. Because we haven't actually seen each other. Like, I haven't seen anyone in any venues for a very long time. So can I remember who works where and when? Okay, I'm going to go for, at the glory, uh, it's our mate James. All right. James, James, James who works behind the bar as well, the manager. Yeah, yeah, he's lovely. He has dug us out of a hole more times than I can tell you, and he gives the best cuddles. Oh, that's such a brilliant answer. That's what we want to hear. We want people to know about these, like, champions who don't get any kind of He's credit. A legend. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. We have lots of nicknames for him. <laughs> any you care to share? 
we tend to call him inappropriately <laughs> because we like to touch him inappropriately. You basically harass him, is what you're saying. The drag kings harass James. Yeah. James, we, we feel He's for a you. Lovely, very, sac- very sexy man. <laughs> um, question four What's your favourite moment from a live show? Just on the top of your head, what's one thing that's really stood out to you? Oh, come on. Can you imagine how many live shows I've yep, seen? Yeah, No, but your show, from your show. So this has to be a moment from your show, not from someone else's. Oh, right. Oh, okay. From the other side of the stage, from being on the stage. Favourite mm. moment ever whilst in a live show. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's a tricky one. Oh, um, last year, Man Up Final at, the, at Earth, which is a huge, massive amphitheatre, Everyone sang me happy birthday because it was my birthday. <gasps> That's incredible. I was hosting. I was hosting it. So there were like 20 odd drag kings in the show. And me and uh, Chris Weller, Baby Lame, were hosting. And Johnny Wu and everyone was there. And everyone sang me happy birthday. Amazing. Brilliant. Um, so last question of, of, of the pop quiz. Um, what's your favourite song to perform and Why? Also, Tuffy, I really enjoy performing Born to be Wild. <laughs> That's a good one. Um, it's it's a routine that I do where I start off as a caterpillar in um, basically in a, an old army style sleeping bag, one of the tapered ones. And it's got um, little caterpillar feet sewed all down the front, which are basically stuffed socks. <laughs> and... Um, <coughs> I sing Born to be Wild in my gruffest, most masculine possible voice whilst hopping to the stage. <laughs> um, during the uh, music break, I pupate um, <laughs> and then emerge for the final chorus as a butterfly. Oh, I love that. I love that. It tells a story and it's the perfect song. What can you do? It's like it's about transitioning. It's about uh, becoming yourself. It's about empowerment and it's about Butch butterflies. That's what it's about. Butch butterflies. We need more of them. <laughs> right? Of course. We always need a butch butterfly. Um, so, Adam, um, our final our final question for you today. We'd, um, we look, with this time of COVID nineteen and everyone sort of being on, on, on lockdown and, and stuck stuck at home and, and looking for th- ways of supporting the community. Um, have you got what suggestions would you have for like live streams or performances that people uh, outside of Boy Box? Uh, is there anything that you sp- should you think people should pop pop uh, pop online and, and have a look at or we'll see oh i don't know there's so much there's so much there's so many endless things going on it it's just absolutely we're, we're swamped with things i would suggest that honestly that people dip in and try all sorts mm-hmm. um but i enjoy um virgin x's sunday mass nice from a car park in america yep. that's always good fun um I kind of feel I think I know that Gloria are doing Glory TV soon, so that'll be really cool. Um, but who knows when and what form that mm. will take? I think who else does a regular live stream? Oh, my awesome friend uh, Tito Bone, Drag King Tito Bone, yes. does a uh, live um, hit workout every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Yeah, we've been pushing that one on Hayquil London a lot in the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, it seems to be massive. It's really good. <laughs> It is brilliant. Yeah. It's really good fun, that one. Um, oh, God, everybody's doing stuff. I don't know. I think they're great suggestions, though. I think, you know, because it's, it's a case. I mean, look, I would say as well, 
you can follow Hey Queer London to find out about everything that's going on because our yes, Steve doesn't exactly. sleep and is constantly <laughs> updating the <laughs> updating the events and now even more so because everybody's got a computer and Wi-Fi. So it's yeah. Right. Uh, there's been a lot of amazing things happening and, and no, but I think those are those are great ones. A couple of ones that I hadn't actually heard of, so that's always good to find out more and for additional suggestions. So cool. I think we're just gonna wrap that up there. So Adam, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Um oh, thank you for you, having me. You're doing an amazing job and we just like like yeah, you're doing absolutely phenomenally. So we just want to say thank you and thank you for being yeah. part of the community and, and so for everything much. you do. Um where yeah, can brilliant. Uh, where can people find you on the socials? Uh, I'm on Insta as Adamall underscore drag and on Twitter the same. You can find me on Facebook as Adam All, and generally speaking, that's my page and my profile. Um, I have a website, adamall.co.uk, and uh, I've got a YouTube channel as well, Adamall, and also Boybox, boy underscore box on all the socials, and there's a Boybox channel as well on YouTube. And we are basically making new stuff pretty much all the time. And desperately trying to get it up <laughs> online um and it is it's exhausting it's a lot of work well, we should say it's a lot of work but anyone listening to this episode and following hey queer london make sure you support Boybox because what you're doing is phenomenal it really is thank you so much that's all from us uh if you have got uh, got a chance, uh, follow Hey Queer London on Instagram and Twitter to discover London's queer scene. Uh, you can also follow us at Tea and Cake Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Get in touch and uh, tell us what you think. Um, you can find us on most po- podcast platforms, so please give us a review. So from all of us, I just want to say thank you and goodbye. Thank you. Cheers, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Hey Queer London podcast, Tea and Cake. Thank you to Kelly Lee for letting us use her track Can't Dance as our intro music. The show was presented by Hey Queer London founder Steve Whiting and the phenomenal Matt Williams. The show is produced by Mischievousity. Mischievousity.